Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Ryan Meyer, a fantasy author who came out with two books last year. Ryan, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and the, the two books that you released. Hey, thanks, uh, Carson. Uh, Ryan D. Meyer, like Carson introduced. And uh, as always, I made sure to bring my beautiful morning bedhead with me. It's like a staple. If I do my hair, I can't write for the day. So I made sure to bring that with me. Perfect. And you got so, two books out, right? Yeah, yeah. So Shadows released in May, which that's my debut novel. Um, kind of like the one that was written when I wasn't 100% certain I could write a book. Uh, so that's obviously has a special place in my heart. And then the second book I wrote is standalone, completely different. Uh, still, of course, fantasy genre, but more of a fantasy mystery. And that came out this past December. So it's it was an exciting 2020 for me. Nice. So released in two books last year. So uh, your first book, Shadows of Creation, right? That's right. So was that the first book you ever wrote or did you try before? So no, that's my, that was my first attempt. Um, I had been writing, of course, leading up to that. So I had been writing short stories for the most part. You know, I grew up uh, just absolutely enamored with storytelling uh -huh. um, from young age, fairy tales. I was just into it. That's what I wanted at night. Um, and then, of course, once I was reading, uh, it wasn't much different. So to be able to bring that to life uh, to my own readers, uh, you know, I'm lucky that I was able to structure a routine early and get it done. Yeah. Nice. So let's, let's talk about your routines while you brought it up. Like what's yeah. a day in the life of Ryan Meyer? So what I would love to tell you guys is that every day I wake up and I drink my tea and then I pump out you know, 2,500 words and a couple hours of editing. Um, that's not always the case, of course. Like most of us, I have my ups and downs. So I, I really find myself um, trying to establish an everyday routine where I'm writing, I'm editing, uh, I'm doing the media marketing promotion thing um, every day. But, you know, life gets in the way and that's a good thing most of the time. So, you know, I'm more of like a binge writer. I'll write for two weeks straight, super heavy, and then still continue to write, but at a much slower pace um, while I regenerate. Yeah. Um, people who don't write kind of don't get the, the, the idea that it's hard and writing is a task. It's like anything else. And I think uh, writing, having a writing muscle per se, like you have to develop that. And for those starting out, like if you can only get a hundred words a day or a page a day, like stick with it. Cause over time your, your writing muscle will develop. You might be able to, to pump out 2,500 words. So let me give you, I, I love Carson, what you said with that. So I, I keep a daily log of my writing. Uh, so for people who are listening I think it's important to understand that you don't want to be too critical of yourself. So, you know, I published two books, which still has me as an infant, right, in self-publishing. Um, this is so early on for me. I'm still developing the right routines. I'm still getting better as a writer. I have a long way to go, you know, and that's something that's a challenge. But, you know, the reason why I bring up the word count thing 
is just to share with the readers what my January looked like. January was a bad month. We had some stuff going on in the household, um, some mental distractions. And for the month of January, I only wrote 8,000 words. So that to me, right, that's not a lot of progress. Um, but I stick, you stick out the hard times. In fact, I'm looking on January 18th. Uh, I wrote 15 words that day, you know, but now I'll converse that to February where I had a week where I wrote 9,000 words. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of, like you said, you just got to stick with it and push through uh, those really trying times. Right. Exactly. But even, even your, your bad month, you know, of 8,000 words, if somebody can only pump out 8,000 words a month, in a year, that's over a hundred thousand words. And so I, I think consistency is, is a key to, to everything, even like, even the, not only writing, but like the editing and the marketing and, and all that, the business side of it as well. Oh, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that's, I think that's, what's great about watching and feeling your writing muscles. I like that term feeling them grow because you're right. If I had looked back and I had talked to my former self two years ago when I started, two, two and a half years ago when I started really taking this seriously, you're right. An 8,000 word month at that point was a big deal for me. In fact, you're right. Probably for the first six months I was writing, maybe I didn't even write that much. But I guess it shows the mentality, right? That as indies, we really, we don't, we have to develop our own support system to push ourselves. And maybe that's why when I look at those numbers today, you know, I, I thank the people in my life who have really given me a kick in the butt at times when I need it. My wife being the best example. Oh yeah, for sure. I think a support system is, is crucial in any endeavor. Your, your first book, you said you started about two, two and a half years ago. What was the genesis of the story and how did you did you plot it? Did you just sit down and say, okay, I have some things that I want to write about and, and go for it? Or how did that come about? You know, the way I think what's so cool about indie authors is that generally we have really strange and unique backstories. You know, I don't think that we end up in self-publishing because we want to conform necessarily to, you know, what is established in the publishing world already. So what I love about that is unique backstories. So for me, I was um, a corporate business manager uh, for years and I, I hated it and uh, fantasy and writing had always been a passion for me. So I made some career changes to focus how the story came to be is when I was considering, I had probably four or five solid ideas, The Kept King, my second book being one of them, that I was considering writing, you know, giving it a serious try to finish. Shadows came to life really because of my children. My wife and I, we have four kids. Uh, oldest now is 14, youngest is seven. So I wanted to write a book. And I was thinking at that point, you know, I wasn't even sure how serious I was about publishing it. So I wanted to make sure the first book I wrote was something that I could share with my kids 
right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of selected a story that was family appropriate. Um, and I wanted to make sure I worked in some lessons, you know, similar to what I read when I was a preteen and a teen, when I was reading the Dragonlance novels and Lord of the Rings for the first time, Terry Goodkind's Sword of Truth, you know, I could keep going. So I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to write something that I could share with them immediately. And I couldn't be happier how that came to be. Um, and as far as an idea, I, I think I get them from weird places. So for shadows, and this isn't really a spoiler, so I can share it. It's just a minor part of the plot. But it all started with the idea of I was thinking one day, like, how cool would it be if, and it sounds terrible, but right, like if you're a bad guy and you're plotting a kidnapping, you know, how crazy would it be if when you finally have it all planned out and you go to execute the kidnapping, you get beaten to the punch. And that was the genesis of this entire story. Again, it plays just a small part of it, but yeah, that's how it came to be. And then I just, I, I am a heavy plotter. So I plot, I started with that concept and worked through different character storylines uh, individually first. So I did not write the book chronologically. I uh -huh. wrote it chronologically by character. Oh, really? And then you, um, when you edited, you spliced those chapters together, kind of, the, the story together? Yeah. So actually how I did that, um, and I wrote the second book the same way, even though the perspective changes, there's much less perspective changes in The Kept King um, than in Shadow. Shadows has, you know, a core three characters that you're going you're gonna to switch between. So what I did was when I outlined... I outlined by uh, individual. And then what I did is uh, before I even started writing, I kind of slotted the chapters, you know, in order in a different outline. And then that way I had an ability to look at the timeline and the story flows to make sure that was right. And through the editing process, of course, some chapters got rearranged, but yeah, that's kind of my method. It's I know it's a little odd. I haven't really met anybody else who does that in the same way, but it's what works for me. You said you had multiple stories floating around your head and you told shadows yeah. and the kept king was was part of that. So how do you pick which idea to choose and which one? Like, how do you sift through your ideas and say, OK, this is the one? Well, so like I like I said, with shadows, that was obviously there was a specific reason for that. But then when it came to picking uh, a second book. You know, it's, it's funny. You kind of don't know what you don't know when you're starting to self-publish. So I think I recognize that early and set my expectations to match that early. And what I decided is, and I'm not going to give too much away, but there is a specific idea that I kind of have earmarked uh, coming up. But, you know, it's important that when you start writing a series, you finish it. I want to be respectful to the people who give me their time by reading it, you know, and also I don't want to waste all my good ideas early. I, my writing has some improvements to go and I'm, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. Uh -huh. So I want to get through shadows. The kept King is written. So that would put four novels under my belt before I dive into the idea that I really want to hammer home. Okay. So you're kind of painting yourself and teaching yourself before your, your big set of novels. Yeah. So, you know, I, I relate independent writing 
to, it's almost like the difference between going to college physically, which I've done, and then going to college remotely online, which a lot of us have done now, right? So the education can be exactly the same, but it's what you put into it and how time management works for you. So you're only going to get what you put into it. Yeah. Being self-published, you're in control of everything. The writing, you know, you have to put out a good product, yes. edit, cover art. And if you plan to go the, the audiobook route, like you're in charge of finding a narrator and stuff like that. How did you go about with the, the business side of it? Like, how did you go about finding an editor and, and a cover artist and stuff like that? Yeah, so that's a, a daunting task that I'm still working through. I'm still trying to find um, the best resources, uh, people, organizations, um, Facebook groups, you know, there's so much out there. So I'm still trying to find um, my way. I've been lucky enough to work with two amazing cover artists. Um, and I'll give them a shout out. Uh, Jeff Brown of Jeff Brown Graphics did the shadow cover, and he's going to do the subsequent two books in the series. And Ivan from um, Book Covers Art uh, did my The Kept King cover. Uh, so I'll just give them quick shout outs. But yeah, it's, it's a time management thing. So, you know, like I said, an ideal day is going to be writing in the morning after family stuff. Then I want to do some promotion, marketing, online stuff. Then come evening, I'll do some editing. And then in a perfect day, I can end my night by, you know, outlining or, you know, something that's less intensive uh, than some of the other activities. So, you know, you have a family, your, your writing career is just taking off. How do you find balance? How do you, how do you balance everything? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know when I find that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that's the hard part of any entrepreneurship endeavor, which is what I consider self-publishing, is you've got to put in what you want out. And for me, you know, finding balance with most things can be difficult. Um, you know, I'm a passionate guy. The things that I'm into, I'm really into. I'm a diehard New York Mets fan, you know, so with fantasy fiction and anything that I'm working on the career wise, you know, I, I do dump myself into it, but what makes me lucky is I have family that reel me in when I need to be reeled in. And at the same time, when I'm locked in and working, um, you know, they're supportive, it, you know, any indie author, um, is not doing it himself. He's just not, even if he's doing all the marketing work and the writing work and the editing work himself, you know, there's people behind him supporting that. So yeah, as far as balance, I couldn't tell you, but hopefully, hopefully as I continue to hone, hone everything, I'll find that. Yeah. Uh, it can be challenging. That's for sure. You said at a young age, um, you, you kind of gravitate towards fantasy and fairy tales and, and stuff like that. Um, do you remember kind of like the first books that got you into and got you hooked into fantasy? Oh yeah. I'll share some exciting news too. So Dragonlance, for those who are not familiar, it's a D, D world or now it is now dragons of autumn twilight which is the first of the chronicles they're written by uh margaret weiss and tracy hickman those were my first intro to epic fantasy and i haven't looked back since i i couldn't tell you the characters grab me the plot grabs me 
Um, to this day, I still will every year, every couple of years, I shouldn't say every year, I pick it up and reread at least the first in the series as inspiration. Oh, fantastic. My son's actually reading the first book now. He's 13. He'll be 13 oh, so. I'm so excited for him and you. So, yeah. you know, that's a great bonding thing. My 14 year old has read uh, the first three. Um, oh, really? That was a cool. Yeah, that was a really cool thing to share with him. Yeah, he we got him started. What did we get him started with? I think I think Steelheart by Brandon Sanderson was his like first oh. dive into to fantasy. And so you spoiled him. Well, um, when he was young, when he was like uh like six months old, Brandon Sanderson released his Alcatraz, like the first of his Alcatraz books. And True. so we we went to a signing and he we we had Brandon sign him to him back when he was a That's baby. amazing. And so like now that he's he's 12 he just barely read them all and he's like did you know these are all addressed to me and i'm like yeah i kind of knew that so he's- <laughs> that's that's amazing i am um a massive brandon sanderson fan when when you think about a guy like that he's like a generational talent not just for his writing but he's and for all you aspiring writers or people who are just interested in learning more about it he gives some of the greatest lectures and they're free on YouTube. He teaches a class of fantasy fiction writing at BYU and he puts all of them up for free. So it's not an exclusive thing like where if you can't get into the class at the college, you're missing out. So he's really dedicated a lot of his time um, to trying to help people. And from an inspirational standpoint, he's been one of mine and I'm sure thousands of other self-published authors oh yeah for sure anybody that wants to to go into writing and be uh whether you want to do traditional publishing or, or self-publishing like he is a great resource to teach you the craft that's for sure oh it's yeah it's incredible um although my writing i feel is a much different style than Brandon's, um, certainly. And, you know, I would be lucky to even, you know, get a taste of some uh, um his toned ability because I won't even call it natural, not that he doesn't have it, but he writes like a maniac. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, it is, it's an inspiration and, uh, you know, to be able to give that resource, it's still how I plot. My plot system is similar, most similar, you know, and I've looked at some others, Jim Butcher, that sort of thing. And mine is most similar to Brandon's method. And not only writing, like we talked about, like, his interaction with his fans and the generosity that he has with, you know, he mm. releases books and just gives it away for free. And um, like the way of Kings prime that just, just recently came out. Um, yep. And what else? I mean, he wrote for wizards of the coast. Um, yep. Kind of the, for D- yep. Or for magic cards, magic right? Wasn't that yeah. magic related? Yeah, it was magic. The gathering, you know, he's, he's very generous. And I think, that generosity is reciprocal in his success. Um, I think it just generates more fans. That's for sure. So for, yeah. I think that's a, a great example of, of how you want to be, whether traditionally published or self-published. Yeah, absolutely. Any other inspirational authors that you, you read and you like, and you try to emulate, not to copy, but try to emulate. Yeah. I, I, I feel that, you know, my epic fantasy writing in shadows is probably very Dragonlance inspired in the sense that, you know, it's important. I think when, when we talk about storytelling, right. And you know what, I'll just jump back to the traditionally published stuff a little bit. 
there's almost the, and I don't know if you can relate to this concept, um, but like there's almost the guilt when you're a self-published indie author and a lot of the talking that we do in the industry, right, is the big, like when you think about the big names in fantasy, so you have Sanderson and Butcher and Rothfuss, and there's, you know, now a handful more coming through, like you almost want to make sure that you, when you're talking about that, like I always want to try to make sure that I mention um, one thing that I found really unique as I've started reading more indie fantasy is the storytelling is much different. And that's what I love about being a self-published author. So before I jump onto that, I wanted to just bring it back and say, you know, that's my favorite part. I love reading Sanderson. To answer your question, the others that I draw inspiration for, um, I love the Dresden Files, who doesn't? They're great reads. Um, I actually, and this is a little bit more sci-fi, but I really enjoy the writing style of the Expanse series. Ernest Klein, until, and uh, you know what, I'm, I have to, until I read Ready Player Two, uh, his storytelling was one of my favorites, but I'm going to admit I really didn't care for his new one. But, you know, so those are the people who are inspiring me, you know, from a aim big in that sense. I love their storytelling, but what I found in the indie communities, I've been reading, um, and I, you know, I feel bad too, because I'm going to forget some indie authors that I'm reading, but C.T. Phipps, who writes um, like superhero alt-world fantasy, and that's uh, cool. I'm reading right now, I'm arc reading a novel that's very different than I usually read. It's like a light fantasy, and that's by Michael Evans and J.M.D. Reed. And there, um, I'm enjoying that book. And that's a short, quick read. I can't give too much about it because it's still pre-published, but mm -hmm. I'm enjoying that. What I'm finding is, and I think the way fantasy media in general has gone, like look at the explosion that there's been since Game of Thrones um, on television and streaming services. You know, I think we're seeing that in fantasy writing too, right? Like we've saturated a market. And what I think is unique is when we can find the people we don't know and dig them up and say, man, you know, he might not have the corporate support. Um, but this guy is worth reading. And I think that's what's really cool about what you're bringing with this, right? It's about finding uh, your new favorite author. And that's, right. you know, I think that's really cool. Right. And I think there's a stigma. Um, I think it's going away. But I think yes. that um, self-published authors are less quality. And, and I don't think, I think to stay competitive, that can't be true. Like you have to up your game. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, I don't necessarily consider my published novels in the final form, just like uh, publishing houses do, you know, I fully plan on as the series develops, um, you know, not making story changes, but you know, you always want to, like you said, be sharpening your skills and getting better. As indies, we don't have the benefit of having it go through a team of editors. Um, you know, we have, at least for me, when I was starting, I had family and friends, yeah. you know, an editor wasn't an option for me out of the gate uh, because my money investment went into the covers. We only have so much resources. So, right. 
Yeah, I love it. I that's what I'm really trying to press myself into is some of these um, fantasy authors because you know it's a different type of storytelling. It's focused on the story and it's got less influence. You know, generally this is between the author and one editor, right? I would say normally for an indie author. Right. And I think one of the disadvantages of traditional publishing is, you know, they got to look out for themselves too. And so if you're writing, let's go to that author that you just mentioned that does like superhero alternate world. Yeah. You write a fantastic one and you take it to a publisher and they don't think that that's going to be in or that will sell. It could be the greatest story in the world and they can just be like, no, like that's not not right now. And so I, I love the world that we live in now where you can take that and put it out there and find fans of that genre. Yeah, that's awesome. That really is. Uh, And yeah, when I think about the feelings that I get when a review rolls in, and that seems like, you know, not a big deal necessarily um, with the big publishers who are, you know, they're pumping out thousands of people reading it beforehand, you know, for indie authors, like the feelings that we get even by small gestures and hearing, you know, how much somebody loved the story. I mean, that's worth every bit of the blood, sweat, and tears that go into writing a novel. Uh, It's like you mentioned earlier, it's for people who haven't done it, it's the hardest thing I've done in my life, but it's also one of the most satisfying. Yeah, for sure. And and not to overshadow, but on your website, um, not only have you released the two novels, but you have short stories as well (laughs) that people can go read. Yeah, I mean, the big thing for me is um, as a new face, people don't know who I am. And the more of my writing I can get into their hands, the better. Uh, Eventually, it's on my schedule for this year, but it likely won't be till fall. I'm going to take a lot of those stories, uh, expand them, throw them into an anthology as a uh, permanent free book, Um, just so there's another method for people to get to try me out um, because I'm confident that um, if I can get in front of people, you know, I'm going to tell you a good story. So, you know, that's, that's what I love about it. Nice. Um, and then just, you can briefly mention or go into detail, however long you want. Um, you yeah. also have uh, world hoppers that you, you do this kind of a pet project, right? This lead says on the it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Carson, you and I um, have, can, can relate to each other because I, um, although I didn't do audio video, um, I ran worldhoppersguild.com, which was uh, a free promotional site for indie authors. Um, you know, just like as much as I know, I want to get out in front of new readers because I know they'll like what I have to bring them. You know, there's a lot of us out there that are all in the same boat. We want to find more readers because we know you know, we're going to bring them value. So World Hoppers Guild developed, it's a lot of written interviews. It's a lot of uh, free samples or full short stories that they shared with us for the community. Now it's currently on a little bit of a hiatus. I'm going to reform it uh, into something a little bit different, but it's going to be the same concept. You know, uh, a rising tide you know, raises all boats and that's how the indie community will be successful in like you said, beating off that stigma, you know, if we stick together and we share good stories, you know, that's what we need to do. Right. 
one of my favorite sayings, and I can't think of who said it is, um, and, and this is more of the business side, obviously, you being an author, you want to make money and be able to, to do this as your, your craft, right? So um, of course. the more, more people that can get eyes on you, the, the quote is money flows where attention goes. And so the more people that, that you can read, uh, will have you have people read what you put out and working with other authors that can help you, like you said, it raises, you know, rises all boats with the tide. That's right. You know, what I think is unique is what you're doing here. Um, what I am did and continue to do with world hoppers. Um, so many of the groups on Facebook are excellent resources. Um, and like you said, it really is about getting in front of people just like any product, you know, if you're selling an item that you make, um, nobody's going to buy it if they don't know it exists. Right. Going back to that stigma is you have to put out good products too. You know, you got, Oh yeah. You, you definitely have to put out good products or else people won't continue to read. Yeah. I would imagine um, if the first indie fantasy book I read was not a good one, uh, that has a huge impact on turning people off to it. You're absolutely right. And now on the converse, right? If they the first indie book they put their hands on wows them, then, you know, <laughs> the, the floodgates open because they realize I can read these authors for less. Mm -hmm. I have access to actually speak with them. And like, it's just a cool community to be a part of. And I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm grateful for it. You said that you would give out some books to yeah. a couple of subscribers and listeners and commenters. When this comes out, there'll be details on how to do that. Um, so pay attention, uh, subscribe, comment, and we'll give out some of his books so that you can get your hands on them and read them. I'm, I'm excited for that. Ryan, do you have any plans to, I know this pandemic has shut a lot down. Um, do you have any plans for any conventions or anything like that, that people can come meet you if, if that opens up? Yeah, actually. So um, for those who are uninitiated, I'll drop, I guess, a little promo for them. Uh, there's a big indie community in the 20 books uh, community on Facebook, and they throw a huge indie conference every November in Vegas. So uh, this year I'll be there. It was canceled last year, but I'll be there. So anybody listening uh, out in that area, hey, come on, it's Vegas. We'll We'll hook up and have fun and talk the craft. And, you know, if you're a fan out there, that would be awesome too. Heck yeah. um, so tell people how they can reach and get a hold of you. Uh, any social media or, or website? Yeah, absolutely. Um, website, ryandmeyer.com, worldhoppersguild.com. Always reach me through there. Um, Facebook, search me up, Ryan D. Meyer or World Hoppers. Uh, that's probably where I'm most active. Uh, Twitter. Same thing, Ryan D. Meyer, World Hoppers, um, you know, and hey, give, give me a shout. Um, I'm always looking to do something new and fun on uh, social media. So look me up. Perfect. Thanks for your time today, Ryan. Hey, thanks, Carson. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.